Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Today's special guest is Jason Curry. Welcome, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. I am so glad you're here with us today. Jason is the president of Texas Baptist Home for Children, Foster Care and Adoption. We learned about this organization through Christy Arrington, who was a guest on the Now I See podcast in October in advance of the Christmas gift drive benefiting TBHC. Jason, a native of Jacksonville, Texas, grew up in church and was called to ministry at an early age. He earned his Master of Arts in Christian Education and served as a pastor of children and young families at a church in Irving, Texas, before joining TBHC in 2017. His ministry has been focused on reaching children and youth with the gospel of Jesus Christ and discipling their parents towards spiritual maturity. He is the host of his own podcast, Bringing Kids Home, that features people who are champions for children's and families and offers resources for people who are fostering and adopting. He and his wife, Tanya, began their own fostering journey in 2011, sharing their home with several sibling groups. At one time, the Currys were caring for nine foster children. <laughs> they adopted two of their sons through TBHC and also have two younger biological children. Jason, I see you as compassionate, generous, adventurous, innovative, and a leader who's not afraid of getting his heart broken or a little hard work. How do you see yourself? Wow. Um, thank you for that. I, I love this question. And the only thing that ever comes to my mind is I see myself as the most inadequate human I've ever met. Um, yet I'm obviously favored and forgiven. So I, I love being, um, God's son and uh, kind of what embodies that is, um, a good song that says I'm no longer a slave. Uh, I'm a child of God. Um, that that's that's basically how I see myself. Inadequacy is such a great place to start because when you know it's bigger than yourself, then you can't rely solely on yourself. That's going to be just that's a downward spiral. But when you know this is too big for you, that's when the great things happen. That's when you see God step up in big ways. He brings people across your path. He gives you a bigger vision and you yourself grow. Uh, if God calls you to it, he's going to equip you for it. And so I can only imagine the exciting journey you've been on um, starting at a place of humility is a great place to start. So how did uh, how was how were these things formed in you? Tell us a little bit about your background. Okay, well, um, just uh, given all the all the praise of the Lord of where I am and who I am today, but uh, obviously I do have a family that uh, invested and made made uh, important decisions to help me become uh, a man and uh, where God wanted me. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 18 years this year. It's uh, amazing to think how much time has passed. Um, my oldest is. Uh, uh, Brandon, I'll, I'll share a little bit about the, the crew I have. My oldest is Brandon. He's 16. And uh, Cameron is 10 soon. And Dexton is five. And then the only little girl, Eliana, is three. And um, we all homeschool. So it's a it's a big journey for her. She's a my wife is the hero of that story. Um, I, you know, I, I love being a dad. And I know that that comes from the, the role my parents had. 
and I'll, I'll just share about them. They, uh, they made a lot of sacrifices for us kids. I have two sisters and, um, the sacrifices that were made to make us available for learning and those things. My mom did such a wonderful job with, uh, what she did for us and, uh, their commitment to each other. You know, when you look around, uh, the era that I grew up, a divorce was prevalent and, uh, to have a mom and dad who have remained faithful to each other, uh, to this day is a, a big blessing to me. And, uh, I know the, the heartbreak of the situation, but I never had to experience that. And when I look at my parents now, I just, I'm reminded of how faithful God is to keep those relationships because it was a love for him that did it. Not, not the love that they had for each other or, um, the human commitment level they were able to maintain. It was that supernatural. Um, we, I don't know, we have a multi-generational household right now. My parents now live with my, me and my wife. So there are a lot of us, uh, and uh, God has really blessed us and made it possible for us to do that for them. And it's an honor to. Um, so when you look at the dynamics of my household, uh, we have a very interesting dynamic going on. And uh, I love every bit of it. And I won't lie and say that it's easy. But uh, we are we are definitely um, getting the most out of life. You know, God has a lot in store. Um, our foster journey definitely helped shape the, the process of where I am today, uh, my parents took in uh, a young a young boy for one summer of my life, and it was I, I think it was only two weeks or a month or something. I was pretty young, and I was just open to the need for kids to have a home. And when my wife and I met, um, those hour phone calls that we would have, um, you know, uh, in that process of deciding if this is the right person for me, the friendship stage, if you will. Uh, I said, well, you know, the woman that I marry will want to foster, will want to adopt. And it was just a statement, of course, you know, just fishing a little bit. And uh, she concurred that a husband would do the same thing. So it was it was something that was very special to both of us independently. And God just really laid on our heart um, to do that. I I guess the other thing that really shaped uh, me was... uh, being dyslexic and always hesitate to really bring that up because it's not really uh, something that I'm defined by, but it was something I was refined by. Absolutely. And I I learned to read at 14 and it's a long story. I had a lot of people invest in me to help me reach that point in my life. Um, But the, the basis of that is struggle, inadequacy, not being able to do it, needing the people around me. And when you, when you consider what that is, if you need others, when you get into a position like mine, you really need others. Um, and I, I need everyone on our team, and I have the smartest people around me because I'm not. And uh, it really helps to engage with them and help them to be successful because the more they're successful, obviously, the more our ministry grows and is able to do and make God famous. So... That, that really big journey, I guess I'd love to encourage every parent that if you're, you're taking on the challenges with your, your child right now, uh, education is one of those that parents look and say, I don't know how to help you at all. And I remember that expression on my mother's face because I have a retention disorder. So the alphabet actually was a very unique moment for me. 
and my mom was doing alphabet training, if you will. And I could not keep it in my head from day to day. And one day I just remember her looking at me and I'm pretty sure she was thinking, what am I going to do? I've got to help him somehow. But what unfortunately I thought uh, the expression meant was he is so stupid. And I carried that identity with me for a long time. And I wouldn't say it's one that I have today, but it is one that um, I do have to refute and and say that is a deception. Uh, I'm Like I said earlier, I'm a child of God, and he created me this way. And my dependence on others, I think, has equipped me to be the best I can be today. Um, oh, I think there's some other great gifts in there. Perseverance is one of them. A lot of absolutely. people in your position may have quit and you refuse to. I love that about you. And so um, that certainly uniquely fits you for the job you are now persevering on behalf of mm-hmm. others because you yourself had to persevere. And I'm sure it also grew in you some empathy for kids who struggle and the absolutely. kids you're working with are struggling with all kinds of things. It may be including uh, learning uh, disorders, mm-hmm. but also emotional disorders from um, having been um, put into the foster care system or having to find a new family and readjust. So I love through your struggle that you stuck with it and that God grew in you some empathy. So tell us a little bit about your work at TBHC. How did you, how did you find them and how did you get involved? Yeah. So my wife and I, uh, after a few years of marriage, I finished education and we had started at our church in Irving. Uh, we said, hey, we want to start investigating adoption, investigating foster care. It's it, we're, We own a house finally. Uh, those kinds of things came into place. We got the dog, you know, those things. Um, priorities. And we were searching for an agency that fit our values. We were searching for an agency that really spoke to us at our our needs and they were uh, what I thought was a small agency, and we approached them and went to a couple other agencies, and we just felt at home with TBHC. Uh, the training that we experienced and all those things. So we walked through that process and uh, got our, I'll, I'll briefly do this, our first placement of three little girls moved in, and um, that was a, a huge journey for us, uh, under, under um, five years old at that time. So it was just really little. And we jumped into that. That was beautiful. And then um, we got a a little baby uh, came into our home and he didn't stay very long. And then we went and picked up my son from the hospital. Um, And then these girls went back to parents. And obviously there was a little bit of heartbreak with that. Also just excitement for them that mom and dad succeeded to get them back. Um, And foster care is one of those those stories that if you get bogged down with outside of your role. You know, uh, I love one of my podcast uh, guests. He said, it's like being a firefighter. You get in, you do the job that you're supposed to do, and then you get out. Um, your job isn't necessarily to be at the hospital and recovery and all that. You have one job. So as a foster parent, our job was to provide care for those kids at the time, love on them, introduce them to Jesus. I call it urgent parenting and help them understand uh, how to brush their teeth and clothe themselves, all those things. So um, anyway, uh, those girls move uh, and a big brother comes along and uh, these are our sons. And then we had three kids move in with them. We moved to a bigger house. Uh, God opens that door. And then those same little three girls that were with us previously give us a call and say, hey, we're coming back into care. 
uh, can we come stay with you? And of course you said, no, no, of course not. Uh, we said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, here they come and they bring a little brother with them. And so our house is obviously full. Um, we had uh, three bedrooms with three kids in each. And um, the oldest was eight uh, and everyone else. So we had two school age kids and then the rest were preschool. And again, my wife is the hero of the story because I still went to work every day. I was on staff as a pastor and had to work, but um, also just the, the joy and the privilege to be able to serve those kids. Uh, I, I worked every evening late, um, uh, it seemed like, but two evenings specifically I worked uh, late and that's Wednesdays and a, a committee meeting night. And so at least two nights of the week, I wasn't there for dinner, unfortunately. So I'd walk in the door and sometimes she was wrestling with the kids on the floor, trying to get them ready for bed. And uh, we did have more help than just me and her, but I, I would walk in and all the kids would say, daddy Jay. And they'd come run and give me hugs. And then my wife lovingly would point down the hall. Uh, and I knew what I was supposed to do. I'd walk towards the long hallway, if you will. And I'd hear the quivering and the gnashing of gums in the bedroom and I'd open it up and these three babies in their cribs were standing there screaming because uh, they did not want to go to bed. And I'd walk up to one and I pick them up and I pray for them and I put them down, cover them up and I go to each one and do that. And when I left every single night, absolute quiet. Um, they waited for me to get home to put them to bed every night. And um, every, every child deserves a daddy. Every child deserves a heavenly father. And, and when, when we talk about that, so now I'll put the present hat on and say, however, when we have little girls coming into care and there's been a daddy that did them wrong or a man in the house, sometimes the most valuable thing is a single parent. And my, my sister is a single foster parent and an adoptive mom. And she has brought value to these little girls, a healing process that wouldn't have been possible if I'd been in the home. Um, as loving and as available as I would have been, to go to bed and know that there's not someone in the house that could come and sneak in your room. I, I, I just want to say that single parents in foster care are so important. So when I say every child deserves a daddy, I, I also want that to be clear too, that I do believe every child deserves a daddy. God gave a need in every child's life for a mom and a father. But there are some very special exceptions and exceptional people that meet that need too. So anyway, for single parenting, it's it's really important as well. Uh, anyway, just jump into kind of an ending there. Uh, uh, kids went home. Um, kids were, uh, our sons were adopted. It was a beautiful experience for us. Two families walking into court and one family walking out. You can't ask for anything better. It's just a, it was a beautiful day. And um Having holding uh, our biological kids later, uh, those those experiences were equal in the way that my heart beat for them, and uh, love love what that did for us to teach us what Jesus did for us when he he died for us and brought us into his family and got adopted. Um, you, you fast forward a few years, we're talking about uh, jumping back into foster care. Uh, we get pregnant, uh, and I I say we right. Uh, my wife it takes two. It does. It does. <laughs> um, but um, we're pregnant. And so we pause again. And then uh, my predecessor retired 
And uh, I got a sweet phone call from someone saying, Jason, you really ought to apply. And uh, I said no, because I wanted to work with kids. And just the Holy Spirit started to work on me and just really spoke to me one night and said, how many kids could you care for if you foster? And I, uh, we're limited in the state of Texas right now. So we can only have six kids total. Only. <laughs> yeah, I, I say only, right? Um, but you can only have six kids total. And we had three. So that meant we would only be able to have three kids. And he said, how many kids could you help take care of if you took this job? And, you know, the rest is history. It just, so the opportunities that God has given, when I applied, it was a smooth process. Uh, God made it where he opened every door. And I, it's an honor to be at TBHC because what I get to see now is the other side of the experience I had. And when foster parents come, I can reciprocate and I can say, hey, I know, I know how frustrating this is or I know how hard this is. Or I can say something like this too sometimes, you know, you need to do this. You need to step up to do this because this is your family. This is, this is the environment you're creating. So I kind of get to play both sides and hardly anyone wants to argue with me because I've been in that role too. So it's a unique situation. Um, I get to preach and share a lot about the ministry. Uh, that's primarily my job is to go ask people to love on our ministry in some way, whether that's financial or stepping into volunteer roles or jumping into fostering and adopting, because that's our greatest need is foster care right. Wow. Well, audience, I am sure that you are loving hearing about Jason's journey in fostering and adopting. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, Jason's going to tell you how you can get involved. Hasn't it been fun hearing about Jason's adoption journey? I love how God has grown his family and his impact because he dared to put himself out there and risk his heart. The Now I See family is grateful that you have adopted us too, so to speak, and invited us into your hearts and home each week. Our family continues to grow as we introduce you to new friends and you introduce us to yours. I hope you enjoyed our podcast with Rick Danielson, the Prescott Parson, last week. And hang on to your seats. It'll be a wild ride with Facebook video sensation Becky Rafe next week. If you haven't done so yet, please take time today to leave a rating and review, to share this podcast with someone you think would enjoy it, and leave us a comment on any of our platforms at Now I See Pod. Head on over to our website, nis.media, to sign up for our weekly newsletter so you can get alerts, blogs, pictures, and links when our new shows air. Now, back to our show. Before our break, Jason was telling us how he got involved in fostering and adoption. Now, Jason, let's talk about how everyone else can get involved, too. There are lots of ways. Giving, volunteering, raising awareness by talking about the issues. But first things first. TBHC has a First Steps online event coming up on the evening of Tuesday, March 15th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. People can register for that online. Listeners can find the links on our show notes and on TBHC's website and social platforms. We have uh, something that my wife and I went to, and it's uh, basically a 
investigation meeting. What, what is foster care? What is adoption? So we call it first steps and you can come in and you can hear all about in general foster care adoption. What does that mean? What does that include? Give an opportunity for people to ask questions. Uh, we don't want you stepping into trainings that are going to be very intensive. Uh, we do have a weekend long training that you have to basically earn your way into by filling out paperwork and going through all that. But that first steps meeting is really important. We have one coming up and we'd love for, for anyone who's interested in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Uh, Odessa will also have one out there at, in our offices. And the opportunity for that is really just to sit down and say, I want to know more. And, and it's, it's a great opportunity to do that. So we have them periodically throughout the year. And uh, we do have one coming up real soon. What do you think are some of the big hindrances towards uh, people wanting to be involved in fostering or adoption? I think there's, there's, two, there's two things. And I, I don't want to paint anyone as being selfish in this, but my life uh, this is my lifestyle, and I'm comfortable in, in my space. And when you open up your home to a stranger, you're, you're, you're inviting chaos into your organization. Maybe you don't have organization. Maybe you have a mess, but you're comfortable with your mess. And when you're inviting children into that, I mean, Hebrews 13 doesn't really give us much option on this, by the way. Um, God says that we need to welcome the stranger and care for that stranger coming into our home. And when I don't think hospitality is grabbing a cup of coffee with someone, I think it's opening your home. So when you look at that specifically, we, we have to do it, but that's one of the hindrances. And I think the other one uh, comes down to something similar uh, that you and I have exchanged on is I would love them too much. It's this perception of I'm going to open my big heart to these kids and they're just going to break it. And I guess the only thing that I'd say to that is if, if not you, then who? Good. Because our hearts have to be big enough to love people. And, and a wonderful statement that um, was accidental is when we love people, the pr their presence is not required because there are people I love that are no longer on this earth. They're in heaven. Their presence is not required for me to love them anymore. Um, uh, there are people who geographically are out of reach, out of touch, and I love them. And it's important for us to, to remember we can love these kids no matter what. Our hearts have to be big enough for them. So I do know that that brokenness is scary for us. Um, and I, I guess I just want to encourage people. Uh, another phrase that was accidental is, when, whenever we are accepting our weaknesses in life, you know, my own weaknesses, but hey, I have a big heart, it's going to be broken, and accepting that in ourselves, that doesn't make you a strong person, but it does make you a courageous person. So accepting that you're weak, it doesn't make you strong, it does make you courageous. So we need people of courage to say, yeah, I'll, I'll take this on. Is there any relationship that any of us have ever been in that we haven't been disappointed, that we haven't been hurt? You know, every relationship breaks our heart in, in little ways. Um, does that stop us from having them? Oh, no, not at all. In fact, life is so much bigger and richer and fuller uh, with the people that we have in it. And so thank you for that challenge. Um, and I imagine there are some people that feel like they don't know if their home is suitable or if their income 
is adequate to take on more? How would you address those issues? Well, we definitely uh, care about those things because uh, we're, we're entrusting children into your care. So we do review every bit of that. But um, you need 40 square feet for a child to sleep. I mean, it, we can find 40 square feet um, in, in almost every American's home. Uh, it exists. So it, there may be limitations, but we get, we get those things worked out pretty quickly. Um, so housing shouldn't be the reason. We had three kids living with us in 1,100 square feet. And we, then we had an even bigger house. So that story doesn't necessarily apply to people. But uh, 2,300 held 11 of us. So, I mean, it, it's whatever size of your home, we can, we can find a place to, for you, your space to care for children. So space shouldn't be it. Financially, yes, we do ask to look at your finances. Uh, you're not buying a car. You're not buying a house. But you are caring for something more precious. So we want to know that, hey, the state now. So we have a financial relationship with the state that the kids in care, we're reimbursed a portion of what we are able to do because uh, we go above and beyond. But we're we're able to forward a portion of that. Um, and if the state doesn't pay us, we still pay you. But if for some reason the state doesn't pay and doesn't pay and we are out of money, you need to be able to care for them too. And that's never happened, by the way. But just the, the scenario of it, it, worst case scenario, can you make it? And so we want to make sure everyone's at least stable enough to function in their home um, on their own means. So, so um, how can people find more information if they're curious about adoption or fostering? Can they, they find can go that on to your our site? Web- yeah, they can go to our website, tbhc.org, tbhc.org. And when you go to it, you'll see all sorts of tabs across the top. Foster care, it'll take you to some information. Uh, you can also send us an email. We have an inquiry process that um, you can uh, send an email to and communicate with someone, um, filling out that form. Adoption's also there, so you can uh, fill out that information. It goes to that same a recruitment department and uh, some very sweet people there. Uh, the leader of that is an adoptive uh, mother and previous foster parent as well. So she has a lot of uh, wonderful insights to bring to people and help guide them through that process. So it's it's a really neat journey that they could step into and discover more without commitment. You know, you can find out a lot without commitment. Well, that's a safe place for people to start. So you were talking about uh, one of the main ingredients needed for someone to foster or to adopt would be courage. And you've recently launched the Brave Recruitment event. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so we're participating with this event. Uh, Hope Local is an organization and used to be Hope Fort Worth. And they, beautiful organization, got to sit down with uh, the president uh, the other day, it was a really nice time for us to exchange our ideas and our uh, perceptions of each other and how we can collaborate to help kids come home. And it, anyway, they do these events where they invite agencies to come, they invite churches to be a part, and they want individuals to show up and hear what it is to be brave, what it is to step out and care for kids. So we're, we're going to be there uh, as a resource to people and to answer questions. I, 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 if I remember right, we have a, uh, a parent going to be on the panel uh, or a young, um, young lady is going to be on there. And it's, it's really exciting. So there's going to be some neat things with that partnership and uh, nothing but great things to come. Uh, I'm positive uh, for us to help the community know of the need. 
in a greater way. I love that. Well, it's not been all work and meetings. You recently hosted a, a Dancing with the Stars, Ellis County. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, all work, no play, right? And definitely not. <laughs> Up um, to this point, it's been kind of heavy lifting. It has Let's been a fun. lot. Of, so we, in fact, that is one of the things that we kept talking about is that this was so needed after all of the pandemic and all of the things that we've been facing, we need something to just go and laugh at and have a great time. Fortunately, we were able to have the event and people were able to wear a mask if they wanted to stay safe how they needed to. But uh, we invited um, what we called celebrities of the community. And that was all of Ellis County, which is where our headquarters are in Waxahachie. So uh, we, got the center rented out and we had them come and do a dance and celebrate the uh celebrate the kids that we care for bring awareness and of course um raise money so that was the uh, big drive for it and uh it was um imagination learning center uh sponsored it and we're really grateful to them but they they also brought a lot of uh just focus from the community in a way that we've not really ever had exposure in so we wanted the neighbors to know we existed, and uh, it was a, such a wonderful event for that. You cannot buy the word of mouth that it created for us. It was a beautiful thing for us, but it was fun. Oh, my goodness. We had so much on there, and I believe that if anyone wanted to go back and kind of see what it was, they could find that on our website. Uh, there's a link to the whole thing. You'll have to fast forward past the eating part that for some reason was online, um, but it's just uh, PowerPoints. Uh, so we have some things that we'll do better going forward. I'll just put it that way. Uh, a learning experience for our very first event. And uh, uh, just to celebrate even what we were able to do, we we were able to raise almost a $100,000. Wow, so that's amazing. We're very proud of our first event uh, like this to, to be so successful. Well, you've got another big event coming up this summer. You're going to have a homecoming and an adoption event. So tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, so when you adopt through TBHC, uh, we do uh, a ceremony with you just to recount the journey. And um, I cried at my first one. Uh, I got to speak and, and share a little bit. But that whole process was we light candles and we just say we thank God for birth family. We thank God for the adoptive family. We thank God for uh, the all of the staff that made that possible. So if it was adoption workers or foster care or case managers, anyone along their journey. And then we, we just all like these candles as a beautiful testimony of where we've come from to this moment. And then we go out and we have a bell tower that was built many years ago in honor of one of our previous uh, presidents. And the bell is original to us. They, they had it when it was an orphanage and they'd ring the bell to call in kids from the field. Uh, to eat dinner, for example. And now we use that bell to ring and share with the neighborhood that we have a new family. That So anyway, all that to say is we're hosting a um, an adoption celebration on our campus this year. We have a new playground and a new swimming pool that we've spent a few years working on, and we're excited for them to be able to enjoy that. So we'll have inflatables and just a chance for all the kids to enjoy and have a great time that day. Uh, and then we have something called homecoming. And as I alluded to, it's kind of a, a marriage of the two events. Um, the kids who were called in from that bell, um, they come back when it was an orphanage. They remember, they can describe the, 
the barn that sat over here of Old Main was the orphanage that was built so long ago that could almost hold 80 kids. Uh, And uh, the boys and the girls on the wings and the floors, a lot of different things with that. But they uh, they come back and they share their stories in ways that really grabs your heart. Uh, So to see where we are today with the adoption celebration and to be reminded of who we were by looking back at those who grew up in an orphanage, it it grabs you. And um, every one of them shares how grateful they were for this place. And uh, it's an honor to be uh, an inheritor of everything. We all inherit anything, whether it's negative or positive. And we are standing on so many people's shoulders. Uh, we've been around for 110 years. And we, we have only, only uh, a few remaining that are in their 90s that remember some of the, the old things that were there that no one will ever know. Uh, after they're gone and it, it, but it's a blessing to be able to see that so that's going to be in june we're going to have a great time on our campus and invite those two to come together so uh, this is so appealing i know people are going to want to be involved how can they get involved maybe they can't take kids in what can they bring to you what can they bring to your organization well, i'm glad you asked that uh, <laughs> that's part of everything i answer it seems like um with our different ministries we have so many opportunities. So I'll mention kind of the um, where we are today. We are in a child placing agency. So what we do is we have families come in that are interested, like you said, uh, they go through our foster care journey and then they're licensed. Adoption is very, very similar. The reason I emphasize foster care is just because of the need there. Um, but the journeys are very, very similar. And during their journey, they need support. And what that support looks like, it comes primarily financially, exclusively from us. And we go above and beyond. It costs our organization about $32 every single day for every single child in care. And we always have about 100 kids in care uh, in our recent years. So when, when you know that, you know, I round up, I'm a preacher. So it's, a, it's about 1000 a month and about 12000 a year to care for one child in care for each day they're there. So that's the financial aspect of it. And and then stepping into that role as the foster or adoptive parent. The other aspect of it, we do have on our website, uh, a link to Amazon wish list. And that wish list is so important. Uh, we used to do a, a, a mail out wish list, if you will, and people would buy that and bring it to us. But when you, when you do that, people, people bring you a lot of what you don't need after a while. So what we've done is that with this wish list is we're able to adjust it as we, you know, if you get enough of this item, you can remove that for a while and then every, people can buy the other things. So it's active list is what I like to call it. It's, it's very breathing. It's living. If we need something, we add it to it. A couple of different things about our ministries right now, we've started a team pregnancy care on campus and that. That is a home specifically set up for an expectant or mothering mom in foster care. And we have two great people that are going to be that those parents over that situation. And we have a dorm room situation. So there's room for a bed and then a crib. It's, it's a, it's a beautiful little situation. Uh, with that, we have a Amazon wish list. We have needs for people to volunteer. They have monthly gatherings for the community. So we do uh, engagement with girls that are pregnant in the school system of Ellis County. 
and they come together once a month. So that's usually a meal that's um, sitting around and visiting with them. Uh, they can they can reach out to us and and we can get them connected to the director of that, and she can help help move them in the right directions for that opportunity. Uh, we're opening an office in Odessa, Texas, so we need a lot of help out there building relationships. Getting people to say yes to foster care is hard enough, but if you feel like you can fix things with money, um, that's typically your first go-to answer. And we don't need, well, okay, don't say that. Um, <laughs> we need money, but we need parents first. And that's that's the obviously going to be the biggest hurdle, the biggest courageous decision someone would make, not giving financially. So we definitely need the money, but we need foster parents. So in Odessa, as we grow that, that's a big need. Uh, we do have a director that we can connect people to and they can say, how can we help? And there's a lot of opportunity out there as well. So our whole organization exists to care for kids. Uh, our My purpose uh, in life is to glorify God. Uh, our purpose statement as an organization is to glorify God by caring for children. And it's still one singular purpose. It's give him glory. And the way that we achieve that is by caring for children. I can't think of a better purpose in life. And our mission stems from that where we, we exist for the sanctity of human life. We want to preserve the family and help every single member of that family be served to God's glory. So those are, those are aspects that we are always working towards. And I'd say uh, just the culture of our organization is very important to me, that those values are shared uh, by the people who step up. We recruit from the pew. Uh, so we go to church and we say, hey, we want foster parents to step up. It's not necessarily a billboard model um, or a passive uh, look online for us, but it's a, we want people out of the pew because we want kids to hear the gospel. So how people can get involved is to, to jump into the middle of our mess and help make a difference for kids. Just like you did. Well, uh, this has been such an important conversation. I've just loved every minute of it, but our time is winding down. As we close out the show today, is there anything you'd like people to see more clearly as a result of our conversation? Yeah, I thought about that question quite a bit. Um, I guess it's it really boils down to, for this to me, is when we see children struggling uh, academically, emotionally, with trauma, I think the most important thing is to, to see, see them, to, to recognize that uh, they have value. Um, if you, uh, a long time ago, I, as a kid pastor, I would do gospel presentations on a regular basis. And I saw someone, and I stole it, obviously. He took a $20 bill and he wadded it up. And so I've used this several times now. He wadded up that 20 and he held it in his hand and he, he pointed his finger at it and he said that it was a dumb dollar bill, that it didn't have any worth in life. And, and he just continued to throw accusations at and belittle it. And then he held up the wad and he said, who would like this $20 bill? And, and of course, everyone raises their hand. And why is that? Because that dollar bill, that, that is not lost any of its value. No matter what has been said over it, to it, about it, spit on it, stomped on it, it's never lost its value. And it was a long journey for me to discover that as a child. Uh, and our kids that come through trauma, 
that's their that's their life and and i want i want everyone to think how can i how can i make sure that a child knows that they're a child of god that they are valued and no one can say anything to change their value amen so i i just want to leave with that is how can people get get the courage to be a part of that and we'd love for you to partner with us um we'd love to to visit with you or help direct you in a direction you that would be best for you because uh, not everyone should foster not everyone should adopt but everyone should do something and i'll leave it mm, thank you so much this has been so good listeners if you want to continue the conversation with jason you can hear him on his podcast bringing kids home you can find him on facebook they have a very busy facebook page with lots of activities that you can look at and ways that you can serve and we'll include uh, jason's personal contact information in our show notes today jason this has been so good for my heart so good for um, me to hear about the work that you're doing i hope that you would like to be a guest on my show again and we can uh, talk about uh, other uh, programs and things that you are starting. This is this has been a lot of fun. And I hope our listeners have enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much. I'd love to come back and share. Yay, great. Well, so until then, uh, listeners, we will see you again next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, NIS. Media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise, and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.